Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. My message is called A Living Hope in Unprecedented Times. And I just, you know, I'm excited to be preaching this message today because I believe it's, it's a timely word. Uh, it may be just part three in our home improvement series, but there's something more I want to say, and that is it's going to be about hope, our living hope in unprecedented times. So, yeah, Jenny and I are sharing this message, um, and our prayer today is, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. And God, have your way in us. Amen. And so I'll say it again. The message is called A Living Hope in Unprecedented Times. You know, have you in any sense lost your expectation lately? Where is your expectation level? Have you lost faith or faith in faith? Have you lost the expectation of happiness in your home, maybe of joy in your marriage or fun with your kids? Has COVID really messed with your confidence lately? And, uh, and when we see the, the stats around the world, has it done something to your heart? Well, I want to encourage you today, we want to encourage you today that God's got this. He's on the throne. He has indeed got the whole world in his hand. And in him, we have a living hope. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, I want to just start there. One verse, one, chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now you may have heard those words before or a hundred times, or this may be the first time you've heard those words, but I want to say they're incredibly powerful. We have this faith in a living hope because Jesus died and rose again. This man, Jesus, predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection and pulled it off in every detail and then added a public ascension for good measure. Jesus is indeed the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and our living hope for all eternity, an eternity that will never fade or get old. What? Really, you know, what should really lift our expectation today is that his power is utterly and completely linked to his character. And his character is true, it's just, it's kind, and it's motivated, motivated by his great mercy, verse 3. So here's this man, Jesus, who did and said and did everything according to his words. He predicted he would die and raise, be raised to life on the third day. I want to get you excited about that because that does 
raise our expectation today that God is on the throne and he's got this. How then does this living hope affect our marriage, our kids and our homes? The real rubber meeting the road stuff this week. That's the question we hope to shed some light on today because many are kind of worried. You know, we we worry about losing that spark in our marriage or we worry about our kids or our grandkids turning out okay. Uh, We perhaps get concerned about what job they might ever do or who they might marry in time. We wonder what kind of world we're bringing them into and where technology is going to lead them and us. Praise God, we have a timeless, rock-solid basis for life, marriage and parenting found in Scripture if we seek its advice. So over the last two weeks, we've laid a foundation for this, to this series. These, uh, the messages have been, Jenny spoke about showing godly kindness, gentleness, compassion, patience and humility at home and not just outside our four walls. Last week, Jeremy shared about submitting to one another. And these two messages alone could you know, really usher in a new wave of close-knit family love as everyone feels valued and listened to. But we can really only lay that foundation if we are filled with that living hope. So if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, to fulfill scriptural advice, then, you know, the good news is that when we need that living hope the most, God is faithful. His grace is all sufficient. Maybe it's been a bit tough lately, and our expectations aren't working out. But when we need his grace the most, that living hope the most, he comes through. When we think we've stuffed up and we repent, his living hope is enough. There are some keys, however, to surviving together in one piece that do apply to all families. No matter what our family looks like, uh, no matter whether we know God or not, And we'll touch on some of them today. And the keys help. But in my experience, you know, it's 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 those who place a priority on the word, on prayer, on worship, and belonging to a bigger Fano that have the best chance of true joy. So let's turn to Ephesians five, twenty one to twenty eight for our reading today. Ephesians 5:22 to 28 and just get some of these keys into our heart. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. I'm reading from the message version. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out. Did you get that, guys? Go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving. 
not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really dealing or doing themselves a favor since they're really already one in marriage. Here we find Paul laying down an order of spiritual covering. It's just an order. And it's corresponding response. These verses have caused quite a lot of angst in certain circles. But before anyone sort of picks up a large rock to throw in my direction, in context, they provide protection for both men and women. Paul knows full well how when there's no covering over a person's life, they are prone to spiritual deception and attack. The order of authority he is talking about originates with Christ's position of authority over the church for which he died and paid for in full with his blood. So he paid the ultimate price because of his great love. So taken out of context, these verses can fuel an insecure husband's demands for respect and a wife's thirst for freedom from being under any kind of restraint. But when we get this right, it's spiritual strength. When we get it wrong, it's spiritually devastating. But when we get it right, it is spiritual strength. Just a little story. We were once asked by a couple to visit their home to sort this very issue out many, many years ago. We firstly heard from, from each of them what the other was doing so wrong. And after it had gotten really intense, I remember seeing the veins on the husband's neck at full stretch and his finger repeatedly hitting the page of his Bible saying, she should submit to me. He couldn't even say her name. <laughs> she, with no name, <laughs> meanwhile, sat at the other end of the couch shaking her head in defiance. <laughs> You know, this, this situation is not God's heart. And, and it was never Paul's intention as he penned these words because true love doesn't demand but wins the other over with selfless acts of love and kindness. Simply calling ourselves... A follower of Christ does not make us an expert in the area of loving as Christ loves the church. That only comes with a decision to learn to love, with trial and error, learning your spouse's love languages and maturity. I love the message uh, version of this um, account of Christ's love. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. Wow. Truly appreciating each other and saying it often is a big step towards this Christ type of love. And it may be not 
you know, just with other people in your lives at the moment that you're dealing with or who are in your household. Second, we determined not to give up, but to keep being filled with that living hope. Next, we work at keeping our promises to each other, doing what we said we'd do without keeping score. And finally, we forgive often. Coming back to our first love. Children, do what your parents tell you. Chapter 6, verse 1, Ephesians 6, 1. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, so that you will live well and have a long life. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. We used to tell our youth, yeah, youth group, if your parents say no to you coming along, you can still be a stay-at-home Christian, but out of obedience you can't come because you are under their care and covering. But once you're an adult, you can choose for yourself. Once you're an adult, you switch from obeying to honoring. Once you're an adult, you need to choose your own path, but you still need to honor your parents. Something about honoring those in authority over you does something in you. It may seem trivial or demeaning to you to give honor to someone, but in fact, it grows you as a person and it honors God who has established the many layers of authority. Romans 13, 1 and 2, all authority is from God. We used to see young people get really keen on God and then one little stuff up at home would land them in time out <laughs> or be grounded. And sometimes I'd even appeal to the parents uh, and, and appeal their decision, asking if, if youth group could perhaps be the one exception to them having to be at home with no success. <laughs> one day I came across this verse 4, Ephesians 6, 4, that we read earlier, and I came across this word exasperate exasperate and the Lord spoke to me and said and I, I really felt that he was saying that the, the this is an enemy attack to steal joy and dishearten kids parents be careful not to dishearten your children or grandchildren by exasperating them we see parents coming down too hard on their kids for childish responsibilities at times and not being tough enough on disobedience. There's a difference. And one thing that really helped us was the phrase, bend the will without breaking the spirit. And this is especially helpful with the strong-willed child in your house. Balance discipline with fun. Build memories and family traditions with set things they can look forward to. And when you stuff up as parents, please 
please remember this one point, if this is the only thing you remember from today, to look your child in the eye, ask for their forgiveness and say sorry for when you've stuffed up. I blew it as your parent when dot, dot, dot. Please forgive me. Jenny's got a story to share now about a time that she had to eat a fairly decent piece of humble pie with our strong-willed child. Forgive me if you've heard this story before, but I believe this happened for a reason because I have shared it so many times. And this is a story about my failure, and I'm happy to share that today. Those of you who know us, we have got three sons. Our eldest is Craig, and I have his permission to share this story today with you. Craig was our strong-willed child. I don't know if you're sitting here today and you can nod and agree that you might have one at home too. And if you don't, that's great. If you do, bear with. Craig is now 36. <laughs> uh, no, is he? Whew. 39. Gee, I'm missing a few years there. He's 39 and I love him dearly, as I do our other sons. But I want to make this very clear that this story is my, the issue, an issue I had. As you know, we led youth group over at Trinity Church for quite a long time. And this story is back around the time when we were leading. Um, I was helping, like to think I was helping, lead other teenagers in our community and advise them and help them and pray with them about matters. And in our own home, we had teenagers, and with one of them particularly, I wasn't coping so well. Craig, at the age of 17, had dreads. And if you know me well, dreads did not go down so well. These days, I think they look pretty cool. But when I had a son with one, it wasn't so cool. And the worst part was, they never got washed. You know, you looked like you could just snap them off after a while, you know. Anyway... I would go on and on and on at Craig about his dreads. I did. I exasperated him. Craig, aren't you going to get rid of those dreads? They look dreadful. Craig, Grandma's coming over today. Could you not wash them? Craig, the, 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 uh, we're going to go and visit somebody. Can you not get rid of those dreads? They're, they're, they're really dreadful. And he just all the time said to me, Mum, I just like them. He never got mad with me. He just would occasionally sort of go on at me as if, you know, get over yourself, Mum, but he didn't say it that way. Anyway, I'd go on and on. I'd go off to youth group and help talk about things that really matter, return back to our home and go on at him about dreads. He'd go out the door and I'd be in his ear. I look back, I just think, so stupid <laughs> of me. Anyway, one day... It was approaching, it was a Friday, it was the school ball at night on a Friday, Huntley College ball. Craig was going, he had a lovely partner from Hamilton coming to partner him, a, a girl he knew. And, but anyway, it was just a few days before the Friday, I said, it's a school prom, come on, what about these dreads, now's the time, let's get rid of them, wash the hair and look pretty good. He said, mum, I'm just keeping my dreads, they're okay, they'll go well with my op shop suit. I thought, hmm. Great, you know. So, anyway, 
The day of the school prom came, he had to go to school for the day, it was that night. In the morning, as he's going out the door over breakfast, he said to me, hey mum, could you um, go downtown and pick up the two wrist corsages that I've bought? And I said, oh, yep, sure. He said, I've paid for them, and he had paid for them. And I said, and he's running out the door by the stage, and I, was, and I said to him, two corsages, why are you getting two? And he said, and he just said to me, oh, I'll tell you later on, can you just pick them up? I said, sure. So I go downtown, pick up the two wrist corsages, bring them home. He comes in the door, we're having afternoon tea, I give one more plug trying to get rid of these dreads by tonight, with, to, no, to no avail. And I said to him, and this is where the story absolutely stops, me in my tracks. I said to him, oh, you said, oh, oh, there's two corsages, why, why, why did you buy two? And he said, well, one's for Lana, who, who's partnering me. And he said, I just thought I'd get one for Margie cause, from my class because she hasn't got a partner tonight and last week her dad went to prison. And um, recalling this story all these years later, get me, I'll never forget the whack I felt uh, hearing him say that to me. I wrapped my arms around him. And I said, Craig, I'm so sorry. I said, I just love your heart. And the fact that you are doing that for that girl tonight is really special. And I'm sorry that I've gone on about your hair. I'm really sorry. And I burst into tears. <laughs> um, just a simple story, maybe not to you. It might not sound so great. But I just, it has lived with me, that story. Because we all agree, don't we? It matters what our children's hearts are like more than their dreads or their op shop suit. And um, I muffed it big time and I did say sorry to him. And two weeks later, guess what? He got his dreads cut off <laughs> after all that. But um, yeah, so, you know, just a thing. I would just say to you, in parenting courses I've helped lead, I just talk to parents and I tell, share that story. I say, I mucked up. I really did. I learned from it. <laughs> but just to uh, not exasperate our kids, to only deal with the mountain that really is worth dealing with. There are so many things that just don't matter. And our kids need more going out the door. In fact, this is something we teach with the parenting is that you know, they go out the door. Our kids are under attack today. It's hard at school for them, harder than when it was for us. We think we had, might have had it hard. But they go out the door, and if you can see it like they have this emotional tank, and they go out the door every morning, and the tank's either empty or it's full, ready to face the day. And we, as parents, have the privilege, or grandparents, even if they're not in your home living with you all the time when you see your kids, we have the privilege of filling that tank up. And that tank filled up looks like all the best with that test today, and a hug, and a little prayer, and a, I love your son, or I love your daughter. You know these things. I, I don't mean to be like you haven't thought of these things, but just affirming our words as they go out the door and they walk out the door with a bounce in their step, don't they? Uh, if they don't get that, and we know kids who get cuffed around the ear before they go out the door to school, all day they're depleted and the tank depletes, depletes down. And when they come home, they need it 
filled up again. So, yeah, as Murray said, it's about bending the will without breaking the spirit. And I could talk about parenting stuff forever, but, yeah, that story of mine today, if you've got a child and they are difficult, well, you just hang in there and only climb the mountain and deal to the mountain if it really needs dealing with, okay? Otherwise, just keep loving them. Yeah, keep the main thing the main thing, eh? Plus that strong-willed child's probably the one that's going to get you the sunny room and the rest home. (laughs) But finally, tell your kids that you love them. I went to a funeral of a very godly man some years ago. Wonderful, wonderful uh, legacy left uh, from a life lived well. And as I was walking along the road to the cup of tea, uh, his son said to me, just tell your sons you love them. Murray, just tell your sons that you love them. And you know, we sometimes forget to tell the ones closest to us that we love them. We think they know, and we think we've told them, but we just need to tell them again and again and again. How's your expectation level today? I've had a phrase going around in my head lately whenever I think about these unprecedented times and what it's done to the world and what it's still doing to the world. And I just feel that this phrase is helpful. This too shall pass. It's those four words. This too shall pass. It's uh, perhaps cold comfort for those in the thick of it or that have lost people, but this too shall pass. Can you say the best is yet to come? Can you say we will get through this patch we're going through today? Regardless of feelings, let's just read and reread 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 and be filled again and again with that living hope, a hope that will never fade, diminish, get old, boring, or die. That living hope is a person. His name is Jesus, and he gives those who know him joy inexpressible. Let's pray. Lord, we've gathered around your table. We've celebrated what you did for us and for us and as us. We've prayed for others and we've looked at ways we can make our homes happier or better and be better parents. But Lord, without your living hope inside of us, without Jesus' presence in our lives, Lord, we know that we will not know that life eternal. And so, Lord, we just pray that uh, you would um, challenge, challenge every heart here this morning. Come upon us and around us and over us that we might just uh, sense what you're saying to us today. And uh, all the advice in the world is useless if we don't do it. And uh, without your power, Lord, it's, it's pretty tough. Not impossible, but pretty tough. So, Lord, we just pray for more power, more, more of your love, your power of your spirit to go and do, to be doers of the word, to go and actually just make it happen. Make our families 
right in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at Huntley